0: You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and TJ. Can you dig that, baby?
1: <laughs> hey, guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD. Along with me for the ride, as always, is TJ. Oh, hey. Welcome to 2020, guys. Woo hoo. Woohoo! Uh, th- I should
2: have brought the hype button
1: Oh, you should have brought the hype button Oh, well no. Next time
2: I'll just do it myself <laughs> <laughs>
1: How's that? I'm really hoping that this is the year that we get our food in pill form and flying cars Think it's going to happen? No Well, that makes me sad
2: <laughs> You think all that's going to happen in one year?
1: It might I don't know One year we didn't have an iPhone, and the next year we had an iPhone.
2: I like Galaxy.
1: (laughs) Well, we, if you don't know, this is our opening act, and uh, we just wanted to start off the show by saying that we love you guys more than anything in the world, and we appreciate everything that, you know, all the feedback, Patreon support, everything that we got in 2019, and we really appreciated it. I did want to say that we tried really, really, really hard, really hard to pump out an episode every single week for you guys. And the thing is, because this is DIY, we don't have the backing of, we don't have any kind of support. It's just me and TJ. We don't have anyone that does the research. You know, I, we do the editing. You know, it's literally just the team of me and TJ. We do have a sad announcement which is we are now going to have to rock back our episode count. We were really trying to figure out ways to make it work with our schedules, and we just couldn't come up with a viable option for how to continue giving you guys an episode a week at the rate that we're doing and the amount of research that it takes. So until something changes... We are going to have to bring you guys episodes bi weekly. You wanna say something?
2: Yeah, I mean we've been trying really hard to keep that up, but in order to get any sort of in depth research, just it's been a lot to try to juggle everything and so we talked about it and decided this was probably the best way to move forward, to keep giving you guys the content that you come to expect and hopefully love, (laughs) but not kind of kill ourselves in the process. Yeah,
1: I mean, the fact is that
2: we both have not only full time jobs, but I also
1: am starting my own new podcast, you know, and I'll announce that in a few weeks. So maybe if you guys are newly engaged, a little spoiler alert. Maybe that'll be a podcast that's interesting to you. But uh, full time job, and TJ also has a full time do- uh, t- full time job and two dogs,
2: and are, my music and your music. <laughs> I still try to write and, and record, and I'm releasing music next year as well. So there's a lot going on,
1: <laughs> and she's also getting married this year. So that too. yeah, you know it's it's a lot, and. We didn't think it was fair for us to keep trying to pump out these episodes as quickly as we have been doing and giving you guys quality stuff. And so rocking it back to a biweekly podcast gives us the opportunity to do our research and keep bringing you these full episodes with as much info as we can and, and give you guys what you've kind of come to expect from us. And we're hoping that maybe even that change might make the podcast even better. So... Starting that off with a sad note, but we love you guys and we want to keep doing this. It just, it, life is hard sometimes and it's really busy and, you know, if we had that extra help with, you know, the research and things like that, it might be a little bit easier, but unfortunately there are not 48 hours in a single day. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice though? God, if we had like 12 days in one week, be amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But like the same amount of time in each day, at least. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So please but it don't just hate doesn't us. Work that way.
1: Please don't hate us. We didn't mean to start your year off crappy, <laughs> but that's where we're at right now.
2: Crappy New Year from from LD and TJ at Rock and Roll Heaven.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about something happy now, which and it was kind of weird for our podcast, unless it's the opening act or the short set. So.
2: But it's an opening act.
1: It's now the opening act. So here we are on January 1st. New year, new you. Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, did you make any New Year's
2: resolutions? (laughs) I didn't even manage to make coffee this morning. Um, my my I, I all my
1: re- New Year's resolutions have to do with my body. So for Christmas, Will actually got me a online course in makeup. Oh, and cool. so I want to learn how to apply makeup better. And by the end of the course, I'll actually be certified. But I'll only be certified in the UK because he accidentally signed me up for the UK version. Whoops.
2: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah. How do you do that? It was a button we pushed. Don't know. Okay, then. But uh, and I'd like to lose throughout the year about 25 pounds. So those are my New Year's resolutions. So of course, we're recording this from the past. So I'm not sure how this show is going to go for this year. But what we wanted to talk about today is Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Since we're recording this in the past, we don't know how this year's show went. So we can't comment on the show. But Hopefully it went well. Yeah, hopefully it was great. The ball dropped. No one cried. There was no accidents or like some of the other things that we're talking about later on in this episode (laughs) happened. It went smooth. It went great. And there were fantastic performances. Here's hoping. But uh, maybe we'll talk about it the next time we're together. Yeah. (laughs) If we remember. (laughs) So Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve is an annual New Year's Eve tradition It's a special on TV broadcast by ABC, the special broadcast primarily from Times Square in New York and features coverage of the annual ball drop along with live and pre-recorded musical performances by popular musicians from Times Square and Hollywood, in addition to performances and coverage of the festivities from New Orleans. To this day, New Year's Rockin' Eve has consistently remained the highest rated New Year's Eve special broadcast by the United States, major television networks. That
2: was a mouthful.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, that's actually my New Year's tradition. It's like, I st- I don't go to parties. A lot. I think I've been to like two Shocking.
2: parties. Shocking. <laughs> I know you're I such a party know. animal, social butterfly.
1: I've been to like two New Year's Eve parties my whole life. I would rather sit at home where it's warm and there aren't drunks on the road.
2: Fair. And then watch people... But there's so many, like, Ubers and Lyfts now that hopefully there are no drunks on the road. Stop driving drunk, people. Yeah, guys. Seriously.
1: PSA in the middle of the episode. If, well, crap, it's too late. <laughs> it's already New Year's.
2: True. Well, regardless, just for, just for 2020, maybe make that your, uh, if you do this often, maybe make that your, your resolution.
1: Buzz driving is drunk driving.
2: And drunk driving is just dangerous. Like, you're not the only one on the road. You can hurt other people, too. Yeah.
1: Its creator and namesake was the entertainer, Dick Clark, who was, like, a DJ, and he had an American Bandstand and all that good stuff. So, like, he has been a mainstay since, like, the 40s or 50s. He has been around
2: forever. Didn't he have a cameo or something in Greece? No. Oh. But the dance show... Was based on yeah. American Bandstand. dance Yeah,
1: because in the 50s there were like all the different dance shows Right Because I guess that's how you entertained yourself was by watching other people dance Yeah <laughs> I don't know, there wasn't a lot to do in the 50s It looks, I think if we just based entertainment on things to do in the 50s It would be going to soda shops, street racing Sock ops Sock ops, and watching other people dance <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I'm sorry So Dick Clark conceived the New Year's Rockin' Eve as a younger-skewing competitor to Guy Lombardo's popular and long-running New Year's Eve big band broadcast on CBS. In the first two editions in 1973 and 74, they were hosted by Three Dog Night and George Carlin, respectively. Nice! Yeah, I know! Featuring Dick Clark assuming the role of Times Square reporter. And were broadcast by NBC in seventy four seventy five. The program moved to its current home of ABC, and Clark assumed the role of host. So before, he was just like a commentator, and then he actually became the master of ceremony. So talking about the format a little bit, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that if you're listening to this, you've probably at least
2: watched one night of this, right? Yeah, you've probably seen it at least once in your lifetime.
1: Yeah, uh, it's primarily broadcast from Times Square in New York, providing coverage of the New Year's Eve festivities headed there which by the way is my personal nightmare. Wait, what? Have you you you've seen the crowds at Times Square? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is for to to go into that group.
2: Yeah. Like, to I, be no. in that
1: group. The you have to go through a ton of security checks. You can't bring any alcohol, which is like not a problem for me now, but it's freezing, it's crowded, there are like
2: Barely any public bathrooms.
1: It's just kind of my nightmare.
2: Well, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Chip and I thought about going one year for New Year's to New York, but we were going to buy tickets into one of the nearby restaurants that have, like, you buy your tickets well in advance for their New Year's Eve party And then they feed you and they give you alcohol. And then there's a space either on the sidewalk that's blocked off that everybody that's there goes out for the ball drop or on the roof or something like that. So there's a view of it. That
1: I might be able to handle. But just being in like that general population crowd. Oh, yeah, because I would never do that. And they also, I think, start lining up a couple days before.
2: Yeah, I could never do that. But mm-hmm. but the little party things we were we were looking at. That that, that sounded good.
1: That seems reasonable. Like that yeah. that I could do, but being in like that mass crowd of people.
2: <sighs> yeah, no, never.
1: It's my nightmare. Yep. It's like Coachella with Left's bathrooms. <laughs> um, so it culminates with the long running ball drop leading to midnight and New Year's. The special also features pre recorded sessions. Featuring performances by popular musicians and since the 2017-2018 edition, these concert segments, branded since 2014-2015 as the Billboard Hollywood parties, have been presented from a studio here in LA by Sierra. All
2: right. My
1: name is Sierra and for all you fly fellas, I'm sorry. Stop that. (laughs) Since... (laughs) Since 2005, Ryan Seacrest has hosted the live show outside of Times Square, along with celebrity correspondent Jenny McCarthy providing additional reports from attendees. From his return and until his death, Dick Clark hosted a limited number of segments from Times Square approaching midnight, but still participated in the countdown and the tradition of kissing his wife, Carrie, at midnight.
2: Aww. Which is so sweet.
1: So let's go all the way back for before and Eve. Guy Lombardo was a fixture on New Year's Eve until his death in 1977. Prior to the premiere of New Year's Rockin' Eve, the most well-known New York Eve program was the annual big band remote of big band leader Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians. Broadcasted from the ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, Guy hosted 48 New Year's Eve broadcasts straight on CBS, beginning... On the radio in 1928, and then on TV from 1956 to 1976, which also featured coverage of the ball drop in Times Square. So I'd love to know how long they've been doing the ball drop.
2: Oh,
1: that's how long has that been? A, but
2: they're different every year. The ball drop? Yeah, the balls are different every year.
1: Yeah. Well, like one year, weren't they covered in like Swarovski crystals?
2: Something like that. So oh. the first one was in 1907, welcoming in the year 1908. Awesome.
1: That's a really That's, long time. It is a
2: really long time.
1: Good job for having the attention span to keep that up for over a century.
2: I was going to say, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Lombardo was also well known for his band's performance of the song, the song Auld Anxine at Midnight, which helped make the standard synonymous with the New Year's Eve holiday in North America. So he was the one that kind of made that a thing. At the time, Dick Clark was well-known to viewers as the host of American Bandstand, a music series produced from the studios of Philadelphia television station, WFIL-TV. And it was broadcast by ABC, so they picked it up and would broadcast it. In 1970, Clark felt that Guy Lombardo's New Year specials were outdated and did not appeal well to younger viewers. He believed that only older viewers would be interested in big band music accompanied by people dancing cheek to jowl in their tuxedos and funny hats. I mean, he's not wrong. Truth. Would you watch that now? No. I would, ironically. (laughs) In response, he decided to produce a more youthful New Year's Eve special of his own to compete. Clark's new program would be known as New Year's Rockin' Eve, a name chosen to signify the major contrast between his special and and the more formal atmosphere of Guy Lombardo's special. In the first edition, Three Dog Nights, New Year's Rockin' Eve 1973, was aired by NBC on December 31st, 1972, and was hosted by the members of the rock band
2: Three Dog Night.
1: Jeremiah was a bullfrog.
2: Yeah, especially by the 70s. I don't think anybody wants to watch big bands and formal dancing, ballroom dancing. We
1: actually, I don't think we've even hit the disco era yet. So, like... We've moved on because you think all of the other things that happened, like you've had the flower child, you've had the hippie movement, you've had so much, you've had Beatlemania. And and rock and roll, yeah. Yeah, Beatlemania, Elvis Presley. it, It seems kind of out of touch. Uh, The special featured pre-recorded musical performances from the ballroom of the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, by Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Helen Redden, and Al Green, and Three Dog Night. What were you? I was going to say, the early 70s was the disco era, so you're in that era, and, like... Well, 77. We're still in 73, when he started. Oh, I thought early 70s. Never mind. Yeah, it was a little later, in the, like, mid to late. That's when Studio 54, like, kind of... Picked up. Okay. Clark served as a reporter from Times Square for the live coverage of the ball drop in the arrival of 1973. The second special, New Year's Rock and Eve 74, also on NBC, was hosted by comedian George Carlin and featured pre recorded musical performances by the Pointer Sisters, Billy Preston, Ronstadt, Linda Ronstadt, and Tower of Power, once again from the Queen Mary Ballroom, which is a beautiful ballroom. If you haven't seen it, please go to the Queen Mary. It's beautiful and haunted. Beginning <laughs> beginning with the 1975 edition, the program moved to ABC. And, of course, Clark came along with them. Billed as Chicago's New Year's Rockin' Eve 1975 and seen as part of ABC's Wild World of Entertainment late-night block, the first ABC edition was headlined by the, the rock group Chicago. I love Chicago. With <laughs> the special guest, a past episode of ours, The Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. They also had the Doobie Brothers, Herbie Hancock, and Olivia Newton-John in segments pre-recorded at MGM Studios in Hollywood. After Guy Lombardo's death in 1977, CBS and the Royal Canadians attempted to continue their broadcast from the Waldorf Astoria, but the effects of Lombardo's absence led to a decline in viewership, allowing New Year's Rockin' Eve to overtake the Royal Canadians in viewership, In only its fifth on-air year, the threat of a new special also prompted CBS to drop the Royal Canadians entirely in 1979 in favor of a new special. Happy New Year, America, which premiered for New Year's Eve 1979-1980 with its recent success, Clark began hoping that New Year's Rockin' Eve would become a television tradition of its own, lamenting that Lombardo would always win because of the Waldorf and 35 years of tradition, but we finally got it rested. A little bitter. Like, that's a bite. Yeah, like, that's the guy mean. died. Yeah. Come on, man. Clark's hopes soon became a reality as New York Rockin' Eve had displaced Guy Lombardo as the most popular and most watched New Year's Eve special on American television in the years following. The 1980 edition was hosted by Aaron Moran and John Schneider of Happy Days and The Dukes of Hazzard, respectively, and continued with Clark's goal to showcase acts that represented the previous year by featuring. Barry Manilow, (laughs) Blondie, Chic, the Oak Ridge Boys, and the Village People as performers. The 1988 edition was co-hosted by China Beach cast members Mark Helgenberger and Brian Wermer from the Coconut Grove Club at the Ambassador Hotel. Mark Curry and Holly Robinson of the ABC sitcom Hanging with, I I love the show, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Loved that (laughs) show. Love it. Co-hosted for 93-94 with segments at Walt Disney World featuring performances by such acts as, you'll appreciate this, Brooks and Dunn. Yeah. And I would appreciate this, Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Along with the marriage of two California firefighters, Laura Turpin and Bob Hutnyan. That's awesome. They had a wedding. That's cute.
2: That is really cute. But when do
1: you say you got married? Like, if you get married at
2: midnight, when what, what is it? Then it's probably January first. Okay.
1: The 1994-95 edition was co-hosted with Margaret Cho and Steve Harvey. This was my favorite year and included musical performances from Melissa Etheridge, Hootie and the Blowfish, and Salt and Peppa.
2: Nice. <laughs> it was like the best year. What a great year. <laughs>
1: The 96-97 was hosted by Stacy Dash and Donald Fazen From Clueless. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you are correct. And included performances by Jan Arden. Kiss! And my personal hero, Weird Al Yankovic, who I have seen more times in concert than I actually care to admit. Nope. You know what? Seven. I nice. think I've seen him set... Because that's our anniversary thing. Because he's always... Typically in California around the time of our anniversary, and so we'll go see him. And so this year, we'll have been married nine years, but he was doing the No Strings Attached Tour this year, and we missed him because he played too early in the year, so we didn't get him for our anniversary. Uh. But he's great to see in concert. I just, I absolutely love him. Another band that showed up that year was P.O. USA, Millions of Peaches. For me. Oh, that's right. The Presidents of the United States of America and the Tony Rich Project, which was my dance at Prom. Nobody knows it but me. That was our final dance at Prom. Aww. <laughs> so uh that, that year always has a special place in my heart. This edition also marked the 25th anniversary of the New Year's Rockin' Eve. Clark marked this accomplishment by discussing the greatest challenges that he faced hosting the special, including being unable to hear his director over the crowds in Times Square, harsh weather conditions, the year that he emceed, where he had to contend with 30 nude attendees in the background. Those people are nuts.
2: Why were they nude? I don't know. Just because? (laughs) Just,
1: it's a live show and... How you going to catch 30 naked people? Some of them are going to slip through the cracks. I mean,
2: yeah,
1: I just wouldn't do it because nobody wants to see my naked body on TV. And also, it's really cold in New York. Yeah. So, Clark aimed to continue hosting the special through the year 2000. Ultimately, he hosted the program nearly uninterrupted all the way through 2004. The late night portion of the ninety seven ninety eight edition was followed by a second hour-long special at one oh five a.m., which was hosted by Boss Skaggs. I thought you would appreciate that. (laughs) They had uh, Isaac Hayes, Dr. John, Joan Osborne, Lou Reed, and Naughty by Nature. Okay, then. Yeah. It's like all the people that haven't been in my kitchen.
2: Fair enough.
1: The popularity of the New Year's Rockin' Eve also resulted in Clark making a special appearance on other TV series. So here's maybe what you were talking about, how he was cameoing and stuff, in reference to his role During a Y2K-themed short in The Simpsons' 1999 Halloween Treehouse of Horrors 10, Clark made a cameo appearance hosting New Year's Eve in Springfield. The Y2K bug causes the MC to melt, exposing him as a robot. In an interview following the episode airing its writer, Ron Haig, Clark said that the episode gave the biggest response he had ever gotten from anything he had ever done. Clark made further appearances... In the pilot episode of Futurama, where his head was in a jar and he was still hosting New Year's Rockin' Eve, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the 1994 Forrest Gump, there was footage of Clark from the very first New Year's Rockin' Eve, uh, seen on TV in a bar, and it was a subject of an episode of the f- the sitcom Friends. You've seen all the Friends episodes, right? Oh yeah. So the one with the routine in which uh-huh. Janie—is it Lacroix or Enjoy? Huh? Janine. Janine. Janine invites Joey Ross and Monica to attend a studio taping yeah. for it as an audience for member.
2: The new, yeah, for for the New Year's Rock and Eve. What do they do to screw it up? They're going to. She takes them to film the party scenes that are interjected in between performances and stuff like that. Um, so it's. Ross and Monica trying to get up onto one of the stages and like where the cameras will actually see them because the cameras kept passing them by and they had told their parents so that they could make them jealous that they were going to be on the show. Cameras kept passing them by and just focusing on the people on the stages so that to get on one of the stages, they pulled out one of their high school talent show dance routines which is just absolutely ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) to do in front of the director guy to get on one of the stages, not realizing that he's only doing it to get it for the bloopers for for Dick Clark. (laughs) It was funny. Okay.
1: And so those were like the, the cameos that he would make? In reference to what he did with the New York, New Year's Rockin' Eve.
2: He was not actually in the episode. It was just the show itself was referenced. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah.
1: On December 31st, 1999, oh, we all remember 1999 where everyone thought that the world was going to end because of Y2K. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in lieu of New Year's Rockin' Eve, ABC presented ABC 2000 Today a day-long telecast hosted by Peter Jennings, which, as a part of a consortium of broadcasters, presented coverage of international and U.S. festivities celebrating the arrival of the year 2000. Clark joined Jennings and ABC News reporter Jake Ford as correspondents for coverage from Times Square. There were a total of more than 1,000 members Of the ABC News division that were part of the broadcast, they were all under the direction of ABC's Roger Goodman. The A, okay, this is the reason why I put this in here because it was kind of cool. The ABC 2000 telecast overall received a Peabody Award, which was kind of cool. All right, then. Yeah, uh, reflecting on the event, Clark was enthusiastic about his participation, feeling that New Year's Eve 2000 was one of the biggest nights he had, ever sent in t- he had ever spent in Times Square. I mean, I remember, I remember where I was the year 2000. Where were you? Michigan. I was at
2: just about to move to Minnesota, I think. Okay,
1: I was at a beach house in Myrtle Beach with a bunch of friends, but I wasn't old enough to drink yet, so it wasn't as fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was a
1: sophomore in high school. Yeah. I was 20. Well, I was, nope, I was 19. I was 19. There
2: you go. I think. I don't know when I was born. I was 16, 15 or 16. Yeah. I was 15 by then. I would have turned 16 in April that year.
1: I, okay, do the math for me. I was born in 79. My birthday is September 29th. How old would I have been? 20. 20. 20. Look at me doing math. <laughs> I really wish I had been born in nineteen eighty because figuring out how old I was at any point would have been so much easier.
2: <laughs> you might have been Yeah, you were twenty. I was twenty. You would have been twenty one in September of that of two thousand. Yes. Yeah.
1: Ah. Uh, so New Year's Rock and Eve returned to ABC the following year. For the arrival of 2001, the 2000 2001 edition also introduced a new primetime hour starting at 10 o'clock. So now that is 7 o'clock our time, so it starts early, which featured additional segments and performances leading into the main program. Clark felt positive about the program's expansion into primetime, believing that viewers, no matter where they were, they wanted to know what's going on in Times Square. Clark was joined by Fox & Friends anchor Steve Dosey and Michelle Madison as reporters in Times Square. Comedian Wayne Brady hosted concert segments in Hollywood, which included performances by the most early 2000s ever. 98 Degrees, The Baha Men, <laughs> Boys to Men, Lone Star, and Third Eye Blind, among others.
0: <laughs>
2: the Baha Men. Man. <laughs> who let the dogs out? Who, 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 <laughs> who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who? <laughs> Oh, the Bahamas.
1: Oh man! <laughs> so, the 2002 edition of New Year's Rock and Eve, its 30th edition, featured pre-recorded concert performances from tours by Aerosmith. Yeah. Destiny's Child and Elton John during the primetime hour followed by studio segments again hosted by Wayne Brady featuring performances by Blink-182, Bush, Buster Rhymes, Jessica Simpson, <gasps> LFO, the Light Funky Ones. I love LFO. And I will be doing <laughs> an uh, I'll be doing an episode on the lead singer of LFO uh, because he did pass away. Bringing you down. Womp womp. The OJs also appeared, and so did Pink.
2: (gasps) Yay, love her.
1: I know. Love you,
2: girl. Oh,
1: God, love. Pink, though, is one of those performers I think I would really love to see live. Oh, God, yeah. But she does things, I'm just like, you're crazy. Like,
2: she... Crazy awesome. She does
1: all these aerial things, but there's one time where she performed literally on the side of a building. Like, she had a harness on. Right. And performed, like that like standing on the side of a building I'm just like there's no way I couldn't do this
2: well but she does she's a queen
1: that's why she's pink she's a queen that's
2: why she's freaking awesome
1: the primetime era of New Year's Rockin' Eve was also preceded by ABC 2002, a follow-up to the 2000 special hosted by Peter Jennings from the Rose Center from Earth and Space. The two-hour special featured a meaningful and reflective view on the New Year's Eve celebration from around the world, which included performances by Arlo Guthrie, Sting, and U2. Clark personally felt that 2002, since it was the it was the first one in the wake of the September 11th, Attacks was the most nerve wracking New Year's Eve he had ever experienced. Totally get that. Because if you remember, like, we were like code orange. Like, you know, when I was in New York when the September 11th attacks happened, and I remember how scared everyone was. And maybe one day I'll open up and tell the story about my 9 11 experience, but they had done things that were like bomb sniffing dogs, they had sealed manhole covers, they had so much police presence in times square that year i didn't even go close to it
2: right well like, I we would, were yeah
1: we were still terrified because it was 3 months after the attack right like we've we've settled now into a more comfortable place now i think as a society but 3 months after we were still on pins and needles like we didn't know when if something else was going to happen And that was so scary. So, yeah, that year I was not even in town. I left because I didn't know what was going to happen. I don't blame you. I probably would have too. I went back to South Carolina. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. (laughs) So on December 6, 2004, it was reported that Clark had been hospitalized after suffering from a minor stroke. Despite Clark indicating his participation in New Year's Rockin' Eve 2005 in a prepared statement... Reports soon surfaced that the stroke might have been serious enough to prevent him from hosting at all. It was officially announced on December 14th that Dick Clark would not be hosting, that Regis Philbin would actually fill in for Clark. In a statement, Clark said that he was thankful that Philbin was so easily able to step in on short notice and host the show. And hoped that he would do a good job. Philman was optimistic about the role considering that it was the best temp job ever. (laughs) Like literally you're hired for this gig and it's one day.
2: But still, that's kind of (sighs) cool.
1: But this is the first time someone else has hosted. Right.
2: That Dick Clark isn't hosting Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve.
1: Yeah. And you have to think there's like a groove that you have to be in. You have to know. Like there's a lot of technical stuff that happens and a lot of throwing to and going and then you've got people in your ear and you've got people screaming every like it's got to be hard to just like step into that role right Philbin's hosting received mixed reviews Richard Huff of the New York Daily News noted that Philbin's hosting was stiff at first and suggested that he would perform better if he had a co-host to interact with like his daytime talk show host Regis and Kelly in conclusion he considered Philbin's performance to be Suitable, although not spectacular. Various personalities paid tribute to Clark through the night on New Year's Eve. The broadcast features special messages for Clark and the revelers in Times Square were seen with signs saluting Clark. During CNN's coverage, revelers in Times Square told CNN's Jason Carroll that Philbin was... All right, filling in for Clark, but they still had Anderson Cooper and Carol too. Mayor Michael Bloomberg also spoke with Philbin on Clark's absence during the show, noting that it isn't that we don't like Regis, but we want Clark back next year. Rough. Man. <laughs> Sorry, Regis. I mean, it's not Regis's fault. <laughs> I mean, it's a medical emergency. Something happened, yeah. and like he ha- he was a last minute step in. I am sure if he had more time to prep, it would have been okay. But
2: I mean, come on. I don't know what you want from from him, people. Come on. Come on.
1: Ryan Seacrest joined New Year's Rock and Eve as a co host beginning in its two thousand six edition because apparently at that time Ryan Seacrest wasn't doing enough. He still isn't. What a lazy, you know, lazy guy. God, Ryan Seacrest, pick it up, man. So lazy. So lazy. <laughs> we're, we're being facetious, of course. Because of course. Because <laughs> Ryan Seacrest has all the jobs. Yeah. I just want to know when that man sleeps. I don't think he does. Oh, Lord. So it was in August of 2005 that ABC announced that Dick Clark would return for its 2006 edition, marked his first television appearance since The Stroke. For that broadcast, it was also announced that Clark would be joined by American Idol host Ryan Seacrest. He had previously hosted a New Year's Eve Live, which ironically would be hosted by Philbin the next year. Nah. So they kind of did a do do Speaking to USA Today, Seacrest reminisced on having watched New Year's Rocking Eve in his childhood, stating that, I knew when I was on other shows, I knew they weren't going to beat Dick Clark. He is... New Year's Eve. As a long-term deal with Dick Clark Productions, Seacrest also became an executive producer for the special. In an interview with People Magazine in December 2005, Seacrest revealed that while Clark had not completely recovered from the stroke and that his speech was not exactly like it had been before, Clark made great progress overall since the original diagnosis. Alongside pre-recorded performances from Hollywood, hosted by actress and pop singer Hilary Duff, Hello 2006. Right. (laughs) The 2006 edition also featured live performances by Mariah Carey. We are going to talk about her a little later. And if you don't know why, you should just pause this and maybe look that up. Go to
2: YouTube. (laughs) Go to YouTube.
1: Directly inside Times Square, which was the first of such performances in the show's history. Live performances from Times Square have become a regular feature now of the actual event. So Mariah Carey in Times Square, that was the first time that had actually been done. Right. Right. During the program, Clark made limited on air appearances but still conducted his traditional countdown and also recollected on his recent experiences. Public curiosity over Clark's condition and his return to television helped Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve draw over 20 million viewers throughout the night in 2006. Reaction to his appearance was mixed, while some critics felt like he wasn't in good enough shape to be doing the broadcast. Stroke survivors and many of Clark's fans praise the MC for being a role model for dealing with post-stroke recovery. (sighs) The New York Times' Brian Seller compared Seacrest's new role as co-host effectively like being a traffic cop, tossing it to bands and correspondents and to Clark for the countdown. The 2008 edition featured live performances from Times Square by Carrie Underwood.
2: I know you like her. Miley Cyrus and the Jonas Brothers. Uh, I'm torn on Carrie. I don't always like her. Okay. Fair enough. I like her more recently than I did probably in 2008.
1: Yeah. And this one also had Fergie of the Black Eyed Peas, and they hosted a concert segment from Hollywood, which also featured performances by Akon, Natasha Benningfield, Sean Kingston, One Republic, Plain White Teas, Taylor Swift, and Will I Am. Seacrest's increased role as host was recognized during the beginning of the 2009 edition, as the special was officially renamed Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. So you can see his name kind of creeping in there. It featured live performances by the Jonas Brothers, and it also had Lionel Richie and Kelly Pickler. The Hollywood segments featured performances by Fall Out Boy, Jesse McCartney, Natasha Benningfield, Neo, the Pussycat Dolls.
2: Pussycat Dolls.
1: The Pussycat Dolls. (laughs) Solange... Robin Thicke and Will, I am so literally, we're just missing Doctor Ken, and we would have the entire panel of the Masked Singer.
2: Oh, see there you go.
1: Yeah, because the Pussycat Dolls is Nicole Scherzinger, Robin right. Robin Thicke is there, and Je- uh, Jenny McCarthy is doing the correspondence. So we're just, is she? M- yeah, okay, we're just missing Doctor Ken, and then you'll have the whole <laughs> panel of the Masked Singer, which, by the way, I love. I'm this season's so hard, but I love it. Okay, so the 2011 edition would have probably been the only one that I would have wanted to be live at, possibly, possibly, specifically because it had Kesha and the supergroup N K O T B S B, which was uh, they combined Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block. Ah, uh, okay. And actress Jenny McCarthy served as a reporter from Times Square. Fergie reprised her role as host for the pre-recorded. Hollywood segments, which included performances by Avril Lavigne, which was actually the world premiere of What the Hell, the first single from her then-upcoming album, Goodbye Lullaby. Uh, Natasha Bedingfield, Jennifer Hudson, Neo, Train, Mike Posner, Willa Smith. Train. I love Train. Me too. Jason Derulo, Far East Movement, Uh, of course, Kesha and Drake. And we were talking about in our John Lennon Part 1, we were talking about viewership. Uh, this one actually got 19 million viewers. So
2: nowhere near no. Beatles and Mash, but no. still still impressive, still impressive.
1: yeah, still impressive. So the 2012 edition marked Dick Clark's final appearance on the program before his death on April 18, 2012. So this is the 2011 2012. And it was again hosted by Seacrest with Clark hosting what would become his final appearance on the program. Vergie again co-hosted for the sixth consecutive year for the pre-tape Hollywood segments while Jeannie McCarthy returned for her second year being a correspondent in Times Square. Musical guests in Times Square included Lady Gaga, who joined Mayor Bloomberg in activating the ball drop, and we're going to, I think I put something in here. If not, just remind me to go back to that. Um, Justin Bieber, Pitbull, and Hot Chili Ray, Performed in Hollywood segments, including Tao Cruz, Nicki Minaj, Blink 182, Florence in the Machine, LMFAO, Gym Class Heroes, One Republic, the band Perry, Will I Am, Christina Perry, and uh, Robin Thicke.
2: Yeah, that's quite a few good people.
1: Yeah. But you see, as the years go on, it's attracting more and more right. popular music because the first year didn't even have it was Three Dog Night, and that was basically it. And then the next year it was hosted by George Carlin. And now you've got a ton of artists that are performing from different places in the country that are wanting to be a part of this. So it is interesting that it gains more clout. Yeah. So that year actually got its highest ratings on New Year's Eve since the year 2000. On April 18th, 2012, Dick Clark died after suffering a heart attack following surgery to fix an enlarged prostate. Neither ABC or Dick Clark Productions immediately commented on the future of the program, which I understand. Someone who is such a mainstay just finally, you know, someone who is such a mainstay passed away. Of course, you're not going to be like, okay, well, let's just talk about the future of this show. Like, no, you need time to mourn this person. Right. Uh, In August... 2012, ABC confirmed via press release that it would return for the the 2012-2013 edition. The primetime hour of this edition was preceded by a two-hour tribute special. The New Year's Rockin' Eve celebrates Dick Clark. Clark's legacy was also recognized by the Times Square Alliance organizers of the Ball Drop. A triangular Waterford crystal panel engraved with Dick Clark's name, that's so sweet, was presented to his widow, Carrie... And installed on the ball. Oh, That's so sweet. That is really sweet. On October 23rd, 2013, Dick Clark's Productions confirmed the 13th, 14th edition. Well, should I just say it? The 2013, 2014 edition of New Year's Rockin' Eve. And announced that Ryan Seacrest had signed a multi-year deal of unspecified length to continue serving as host and executive producer of the special. Secret stated that he would forever be both sentimental and grateful about his involvement in the special, and that he was excited to work together to create new traditions and fun moments on the show that only live television can deliver. <sighs> that year, the special was aired in simulcast in Canada for the first time by City, replacing its coverage of concert festivities at Toronto's Nathan Phillips Square. 2017 edition expanded to feature coverage of the New Year's Eve festivities in New Orleans hosted by Lucy Hale with performances by Jason Derulo and Panic at the Disco. Woo! From the Sugar Bowl All-State Fan, fe- fan Fest concert at Jackson Square's Ferdalies, drop at midnight in the Central Time Zone. While household ratings for that night were down 9% to 2016 It was once again the highest rated special across all the major networks. So we're going to kind of glaze over 2017 and um, go right to 2018. November 13th, 2018, it was announced that YouTube Music would be a presenting sponsor of the 2019 edition. This service also presented sponsor of the DCP-produced American Music Awards. With the return of NBC's New Year's Eve after the hiatus, the 2019 edition experienced a decline in ratings uh, for its late night portion, but it was still top rated among the New Year's Eve specials. On October 7th, uh, 2019, Jenny McCarthy stated on Live with Regis and Kelly that she would actually not be appearing as the Times Square correspondent for the 2020 edition of New Year's Rockin' Eve. Which is this year. Well, I'm saying she's not coming back. Right. She didn't come back. Yeah, I know.
2: I'm just saying. Yeah. That's this year.
1: That's this year. Uh, Citing that she wanted to spend the holidays with her family and her commitments to season three of Fox's The Masked Singer. Who is that? It was like you were watching the TV show, wasn't it? Just like it. (laughs) Where she's a celebrity panelist. And on November 26th, it was announced that Lucy Hale would serve as the Times Square correspondent in place of McCarthy. And that Billy Porter, I love Billy Porter, of <laughs> uh, the FX series Pose. Oh, please, he is not just on Pose. He is also in American Horror Story, and he is fantastic. Love him. Love him. Please bring him back for another season. He was sorely missed the season of, Amer- of American Horror Story, I will say. Where am I? I got horribly off. So he's going to be hosting in New oh, Orleans right. in place of Hale. Sierra, again, will host... The Hollywood Concert Segments. Okay. So, okay, so we've got you guys caught up to
2: basically yesterday. And so what I wanted to do was... Other than the fact that we haven't seen it, so we don't know who actually performed or anything like that. Because, um, hello, this is weeks ahead of that.
1: We're recording in the past. Wait, do your spooky. This is the time. No, spooky. Oh, Spooky. I love it when you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I actually just wanted to talk about some of the more, let's say, memorable performances. Uh Um, (laughs) So I am going to start out with, obviously, the one that we need to talk about, which is Mariah Carey singing at the 2016 installment of Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. I will say... (laughs) After her performance, I cannot remember who said it or where I found it. It was either, like, on Twitter or Instagram or something. But someone wrote, the Mariah Carey performance that we got was not the performance that 2016 needed. It's the one that we deserved. (laughs) Nice. Well, 2016 took away
2: so many amazing artists. 2016 was rough. Oh, God. And
1: I was not okay. I sat... So... When I found out that uh, Carrie Fisher had died, I sat in the parking lot of a mall and cried. So 2016 was hard because we also lost David Bowie. We lost Prince. We lost Alan Rickman. We, I mean, we lost so many amazing so artists. So many people.
2: Uh, we <laughs> so should many, do... So much talent left us in 2016.
1: We will do an episode shame. on the massacre of 2016 one day. I mean, just like... yeah. Uh, that was the worst year. The I, mean, year I can just point sucks. at that year and go, "You sucked, year. I'm done with you." So, it's probably one of the most memorable moments in recent history. If you were at e, if, if you were at home on the East Coast, which I was, waiting for the ball to drop, it was hard to believe what you were seeing. If you were waiting for the broadcast on the West Coast, social media tipped you off to the chaos that was to come. It was clear that. Mariah Carey was having technical problems during her first song's emotion, her first song Emotion. But by the time she reached her second song, We Belong Together, she was done. She was not, she just stopped performing. And her backing tracks kept going. And then she just started yelling like, I want a holiday too. She improvised while the music played on. Um, while the music played on. Can I not have one? I'm trying to be a good sport here. She just like into the mic. If you haven't seen this performance, it's on YouTube. Go watch it.
2: I don't know that I have. Now that you, I don't. Oh man. Or at least I don't remember, and I need to go watch again.
1: Yeah, but big props to like her dancers because they just kept going. They were just like, we're just gonna keep going. Like nobody walked off the stage when she just started, and she like held the mic out and let people sing her song, and then like at the end she kind of like shrugged her shoulders and was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, In her defense, it's actually like, I couldn't imagine singing in Times Square and everything that you have to fight. Because you have to think, there are millions of screaming people. It's cold. You might not be vocally warmed up. Like, a lot of things could have gone into what happened. However, the subsequent press surrounding Carrie and Dick Clark Productions made things even more uh, complicated. So, apparently, there were like... Technical issues, and she wasn't warmed up, and there were no monitors. And so, there were a lot of things that went into that performance not being as good as it could. But she came back the next year and just slayed it like a queen. So, and the big thing was, is like, I guess someone gave her hot tea, and that would that made all the difference. <laughs>
2: nice. So, and probably some monitors.
1: <laughs> so, when it remember when everybody was worried about Y2K, and if not, the world would implode as we shifted into the 21st century. Uh, ABC News anchor Peter Jennings ushered the United States into a new year instead of Dick Clark. The broadcast did briefly visit Times Square, but Dick Clark wasn't there. So that was kind of cringy and awkward. Because, like, the man who had created this show wasn't even there. They're like, here's the ball. <laughs> um, there was a year where, I mean, we all know who Taylor Swift dates, right? Pretty much.
2: Maybe. I don't know. I, l-
1: I love T-Swifty. Yeah. I like her. I like Katy Perry. Like, I know there are some people that don't like her, but you know what? Shake It Off is a darn fun song. Yeah,
2: okay.
1: I like that song. Right. So anyway, so you know, like, everybody knows when Taylor Swift is dating somebody, or at least they did. I don't know who she's dating now, but she was dating Joe Jonas, I guess, in 2009, and they had a pretty bad breakup, and then they both got booked on the show. <laughs> and then they both were on the main stage <laughs> at midnight.
2: <laughs>
1: and it was like super awkward because Taylor's like standing there and Joe's standing there, and like everybody else is kissing and stuff. And they're just like, I hate you so much. And they're like, no. <laughs> no. So this one was the one that I felt personally attacked by because I have loved Adina Menzel or Adele Dezim whatever you want to call her,
2: <laughs>
1: since 1996, when she made her Broadway debut in Rent. And I even purchased her album, Minuet and Brave, and I have loved her forever. So when she actually landed the role of Elsa in Frozen, I was super excited. And literally the only thing that like pushed me to go see this movie was when she sang Let It Go. Because inside... I am a nine-year-old child that will watch a movie over and over again. So, so this was in 2014, and she was supposed to perform her hit, and again, cold weather hit, and so she struggled with the note at the end of the song. Acknowledging her mistakes, Adina tweeted the following morning that she is more than the note she hits, and why it's more important to stay in the moment and connect with the audience in an authentic way. So she let it go pretty quickly. Boo. <laughs> 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 so kissing is, kissing is pretty common on New Year's Eve. But the peck shared between Grammy-winning artist Lady Gaga and the mayor of New York City was kind of shocking to many. Even though the moment promoted plenty of raised eyebrows, Bloomberg later clarified that the smooch came after he had already kissed his longtime girlfriend, Diana Taylor. So that was like another cringy moment when Lady Gaga laid one on the mayor of New York City. Weird. And I'm going to finish this episode with my horrific and personal favorite story, which was the first time debuting his signature fireball trick, Gene Simmons was doing a New Year's Eve performance at the Academy of Music in, in New York City. He set his hair on fire while spitting kerosene onto a torch. <laughs> Thankfully, somebody with a wet towel was ready to rescue him, and the artist escaped with just minor injuries. So, what year was that? I think it was like, what was the first year? Like, 73, 74? I don't have an exact date on it, but... I I want to say it was at the beginning of the whole thing, but they have appeared several times on the yeah, show. that's why I wasn't sure which which time <laughs> yeah. he did it. Yeah. But that's, again, you like never know what you're going to see and like what kind of awkward situations, weird things, like funny things, like having to deal with like naked people and not hitting your notes and like setting your hair on fire. You never know what you're going to get when you watch uh, New Year's Rockin' Eve. So anyway, that's our show. <laughs> Yay! Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year, guys! And, uh, you know, sorry that we're you know possibly bumming you guys out with the knowledge that we're only bringing episodes bi-weekly, but please understand that we're going to keep up with the quality content. It just won't be coming to you as fast. But we love you guys so much. We hope that you had a safe and fantastic holiday season, and we will see you guys in a couple weeks. Just watch your notifications, and we love you and that's that's it yeah thanks for sticking with us if you guys want to make our new year's happy go to patreon.com and you know make a donation there you can do that at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven you can find us on twitter at rock and roll lt you can find us on facebook at rock and roll heaven pod instagram rock and roll heaven lt still not saying our website or you can email us with any comments, questions, or concerns at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com. All right. So, again, thank you, guys. Check us out on the next episode, and we'll see you soon. All Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.